The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. We begin with a topic that is fairly harrowing. Uh, therefore, if the small ears uh, listening or if you are um, offended by discussion or not offended by, but affected by discussion of uh, domestic violence, now may be a time to take a small break from the programme because a record number of women contacted Women's Aid last year, a period in which one woman died violently in Ireland for every single month of the year. There were more than 31,000 contacts with the Women's Aid charity in 2022 and they've described the support services as creaking at the seams. I'm joined on the line now by Sarah Benson, who is chief executive of Women's Aid, and Jason Poole, whose sister Jennifer was murdered by her ex-partner Gavin Murphy. And Jason, I might begin with you if I could, and I'm sorry to ask this, but for those unfamiliar, can you remind us of Jennifer's story? Yeah, Anton, Jennifer was 24 years old when her life was taken from her on the 17th of April 2021. She was a mother of two young children living in Finglas um, when her ex-partner came back to the property and uh, stabbed her to death 17 times um, and left her there. Um, it was a, it's a horrific story and there's been many more like it and that's why I'm on this morning to speak about Jennifer's story and obviously the, the impact that that's had, not only on us as a family, but also on the, the statistics that Sarah has referred to and will refer to later on. Can you describe the effect it's had on you as a family? We're not. We're just not the same people. You know, life is just not the same without Jennifer. You know, our two children miss her terribly. Um, we, don't, we don't not think of her every day. You know, you're reminded consistently of, of the situation. And we're even more alarmed of the, the, the amount of women who have died since Jennifer's death. And every time you turn on the newspaper or pick up the newspaper or turn on the radio and you hear of another story, it just brings you straight back to that moment and you relive that day and those months all over again. Do you relive the months leading up to Jennifer's death? Because one of the very difficult things about domestic violence for those surrounding the victim is knowing to what extent you can intervene, knowing to what extent what appear to be warning signs are warning signs or are they not? A lot of times there is some warning signs, Anton. Uh, Jennifer was very good at hiding those, as is the majority of women who are in these situations. You know, Jennifer would have used makeup that would have hid her bruises. You know, we did only maybe a couple of days before notice that she had bruising, but she always had an explanation. You know, she played GAA, so there was always, the bruise could have always been something else. Or, the, you know, she two young children, so, oh, the action man, you know, was flung across the room and it hit me in the eye. There was always, always explanations. But we just knew there was something not right. We challenged Jennifer on those conversa- with those conversations, and Jennifer told us, you know, she always had another story, Anton, basically. And that's what we find with the majority of women. You know, the perpetrator will remove them from their family, will remove them from their friends and strip them down to what they want them to be. So it comes very difficult to confide in your family and friends because you're afraid of the consequences if you do tell. And this is why you have been pushing so far for or so strongly for a domestic violence register. That's that's correct. You know, you know, the majority of women who are living with, with perpetrators, they have previous for this already. You know, they've moved from partner to partner to partner, as was the case with Gavin Murphy. He had done time in prison for a very similar offence, a knife crime on his ex-partner. He hadn't done the time he was given. He was out. If he had done the time he was given and he had been on the domestic violence register, him and Jennifer would have never met and Jennifer would be sitting with us today.
Jason, I really appreciate you coming on the show because it, it, I, I realise it, it is something that you have campaigned on since Jennifer's death, but it can it is nonetheless, I imagine, a difficult topic to discuss. So I really appreciate your time this morning. We're joined as well by Sarah Benson, who is CEO of Women's Aid, um, which is releasing all those numbers today, the 31,000 contacts with the charity in 2022. Sarah, are you surprised to see that the numbers have gotten so large? Good morning, Anton. Good morning to your listeners. Um, The short answer is no, we're not. I mean, we've known for um, many, many years that, you know, a conservative uh, estimation is that one in four women in this country will suffer domestic abuse at the hands of a current or former partner. And women's aid services um, are nearly 50 years in existence. So last year, um, with the 16% year on year increase, was also the busiest year we've ever had, ever. But it also is a moment in time where over the last number of years, um, we've never seen such a level of alignment in terms of public conversation, focus, government strategy, um, Garda prioritization. There's a lot of things that have happened to try and push the public conversation forward. And then, of course, you know, those absolutely appalling cases such as the loss that the Poole family has suffered. And of course, so many other families in that we, we are realizing more and more that there are thousands and thousands of women, children, you know, maybe smaller numbers of men and other people. But this is a huge epidemic in this country. But now more and more survivors are actually speaking up. They are reaching out for assistance. And there is greater investment in this issue. There's greater public awareness. And so with all that in mind, we're not surprised that the numbers are, are increasing because when you create, we hope, a, a more conducive social environment to speak about what is happening, what is being done to you, and to seek the safety and the support that you are entitled to, of course the numbers are going to go up. When women do get in touch with you, what do you see as the patterns in what they raise and in the situations that they find themselves in? Well, pattern is the crucial word when you're talking about domestic violence and abuse. And as I say, we have the National Free Phone Helpline and we would always say uh, to anybody who is in a, a relationship that it isn't a crisis helpline. Um, it is the time to reach out and uh, start a conversation in confidence um, because very often, you know, people start to feel, women start to feel that there's something not quite right in their relationship. And it's usually a number of things, not any one thing. So it can be somebody is starting to uh, exert a little bit more kind of coercive control over, you know, maybe what they wear, who they see. There's maybe jealousy in the relationship. Um, maybe they are finding that they're having to change their behaviors to suit their partner. So it isn't straight into, you know, very high level, high risk situations. It is I sometimes refer to it a little bit like, you know, the, the frog in water that's slowly getting hotter and hotter and you know um at the same time you know someone's being gaslit to, to be told that you know no you're imagining it it's not real it's your fault so it is that pattern of behavior of course of control which can of course include physical abuse but more commonly you know the tactics will be emotional and psychological first there may be economic abuse so many different things um and then of course including sexual and physical violence so we hear all of those things um and you know our services i would stress this our national helpline we have our regional dublin-based services but our national helpline is a direct pathway um, to refer to all of the other local services around the country, all the refuges. So the figures I'm talking about here are just women's aid figures. So, you know, um, we are talking about uh, patterns of violence and abuse that are being perpetrated in every corner of the country right now. 
is the coercive control particularly challenging for the person who's being victimised by it? Because in, in an egregious instance of domestic violence, you can say, well, there is a Rubicon that has been crossed. There is a very clear act that I, I can say I will not stand for anymore. Whereas coercive control chips away and it's very difficult to find the point at which you say this is the, the line I, 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 that cannot be crossed. That's exactly what happens. It is a chipping away. And I, I mean, I've, I've worked in this sector, domestic and sexual violence over 20 years, including frontline. And I you know, can't tell you the amount of women who would have said and continue to say when they speak to our, our team on the helpline and our support services, you know, nobody would believe me. I, I you know, I, if you would hit me, it would be easier to explain what's going on because like they're it's they're they're they would say like he's moving the goalposts all the time he's messing with my mind he's telling me it's my fault i literally am starting to feel like i'm going crazy and that is because those are the tactics in domestic abuse in coercive control is to make someone doubt themselves is to minimize um to blame the victim uh, as i say to gaslight them and it is an incremental thing and i have spoken to women who have said you know I, I was one of the most independent women you could ever meet. I had my own business. I, you know, um, and, and now I feel like I've lost everything and I don't even know who I am and I don't know how I got here. Um, so you have to support somebody to kind of start to see the wood for the trees. And that is why reaching out actively, if you're a victim of any form of abuse, particularly domestic abuse, but also sexual abuse and exploitation, it's incredibly hard to have to be the one to say something is wrong and something is going on for me. It is so much easier if we as friends, as employers, as colleagues, as family, as support services are there to ask the question, are you okay? You know, you don't seem okay. Is there anything I can help with? So this is, you know, the invitation here is for all of us as a community to to increase doing what is already happening and kind of rally around survivors because, you know, People are ingenious survivors, but they they can't be expected to do it on their own. When somebody is actively, you know, trying to hurt you, you need others to rally around and help to lift you up. Jason spoke earlier on about um, the process by which his his sister was excluded or or, um, Gavin Murphy attempted to exclude her away from her own family. That goes even beyond the family in some instances. You you cite within the data in in today's um, press release children being used against the mother where the children are inculcated into a belief that the mother is evil or bad and are are used as tools of coercive control themselves I mean one of the things to to remember with uh, abuse is uh, particularly if you have a child in common that is a tie that binds until those children are adults Um, and one of the things that uh, people sometimes don't realise is that actually post-separation abuse is is extremely common um, and and particularly common where there are children um, uh, in in the relationship or from the relationship. And what we really want to emphasize is sometimes people think, well, if children don't witness it or if they're not or if they're not actually subjected to abuse themselves, you know, somehow they are just witnesses. No, if there's coercive control in a relationship, the children are being coercively controlled. But what, you know, experts like Dr. Emma Katz, who's written extensively and brilliantly on this, would say is that we need to understand that a perpetrator of abuse where they are coercively controlling their partner will coercively control the children which is damaging to them in the first instance but they will do so to further abuse uh, their partner so they will use the children to spy on their mother or they will um, use the custody and access system um, they you they will send you know uh, and they will try and divide loyalties but but they will also um, 
uh, use the system itself. So the family court system, for example, is weaponized in many instances. And, you know, we really welcome there's a, a new family justice strategy. There's a family courts bill going ahead. It's really important that in that, you know, uh, very, very damaging concepts like parental alienation are sometimes replacing the appropriate focus on coercive control. And so we need to make sure that the systems themselves understand that they will become tools and are tools, of course, of control. And children, unfortunately, are, are central in that and they are victims in that situation. Sarah, undoubtedly, there will be women listening who find themselves in the kind of situations that you described. There will be families of women listening who have concerns about what may be happening to one of their loved ones. In that instance, what do you recommend? I would say reach out. Um, uh, our, our website, womensaid.ie, is has a wealth of information. Um, you know, uh, the, the most one of the most visited pages is like I need help, but also we have sections on helping somebody else. Um, we would often uh, receive calls to the helpline, also from professionals, loved ones, family members who we understand have concerns, but then don't want to do the wrong thing, don't want to say the wrong thing. We're there to help as well, uh, to help them kind of tease out what they feel is going on, maybe give them some information that might be helpful. So if you are concerned about somebody else, um, if you feel confident to do so, reach out. And, and the brilliant news is you don't have to be an expert. All you have to do is to, to be there and listen um, and ask that person what their biggest fears are and what their biggest priorities are and take it from there. Uh, refer to ourselves, refer to the local service if you know. Um, but crucially, don't uh, worry in silence because we know that it's silence and stigma that actually you know leads us to situations where it's the abuser who wins then because they are winning in isolating their, their partner. They are willing, winning in uh, excluding them from the support and the love and the care of, of their network. So, um, you know, we need to be proactive and, you know, we, we see and hear it every day. But when we also have tragic, appalling outcomes like the, the Poole family have endured, we also can learn from this. And we have recently had the groundbreaking Familicide and Domestic Violence Death Independent Study has been um, published. It was commissioned by the Department of Justice, but it was an independent study. It has 200 recommendations on how we can do better for bereaved families um, and their communities, and also crucially to set up a structure for um, domestic violence death reviews, which they have in Northern Ireland, which they have in, in, in other parts of the United Kingdom, so that we can learn um, and see where the, the, the holes might be in the safety net we're trying to create here and so that we can do better and prevent the worst harm happening in the future. Sarah, thank you very much. Sarah Benson, CEO of Women's Aid and before Sarah, Jason Poole, uh, brother of Jennifer Poole. And if any of the issues that we were discussing have affected you or if they affect a family member that you may be concerned about, the Women's Aid helpline is 1800 341 900. That's 1800 341 900. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.